0: Hey everybody, and welcome to Rabbit's Ramblings, Podcast 164. I feel sad for last week. My film class has a final project due, and I was spending pretty much all of my brain power thinking about what to do about that. Plus, I've been off work, so my schedule and keeping track of what day is what has been all out of whack. So, apparently, I just completely forgot. It was Friday morning. And I was saying to myself, oh, I should check if there's any podcasts to download to listen to. And oh crap, I forgot to do mine. So, sorry, I will try not to forget in the future. This time I have sort of final thoughts for Watch Dogs, even though I haven't finished it yet. I have kind of nailed down what it is I do and do not like about it and those kind of games. So I ramble about that in the start. I saw The Edge of Tomorrow and it was pretty good. So I talk about that in the second part. And I'll probably talk very briefly about Maleficent in the third part. And that's all I have for this time. Hopefully, you'll enjoy the show. So I would guess I've been playing Watch Dogs for probably 30 or so hours, maybe more. I don't have any kind of thing tracking it because it's all been offline time. So I don't really know, you know, for certain how long I've been playing. But I would guess I'm probably almost finished with the main campaign now. And there are many thoughts on why I don't typically like this kind of game and Watch Dogs in particular and a few thoughts on what I think is pretty good about it. None of it's really organized, so kind of bear with me as I ramble about various things in no particular order. The main thing that really bothers me, which has made combat very difficult, especially early on and even now still playing, it's, it's kind of difficult to compensate for, is that the camera is kind of always moving in some direction when you're trying to aim, It's like he has a weapon out state, but unless you hold down the right mouse button to sort of ready the weapon, it's got a different camera position. And so when you hold down the right mouse button, it sort of zooms in the camera a little bit. So invariably, whenever you're trying to aim, that zooming in will kind of mess you up a lot of times. And so if you're trying for a sort of a precision attack, you know, zoom in, hit somebody, and then kind of run to a different cover point. It's going to be zooming in and out quite a bit, and that can throw you off quite a lot. That can add for quite a lot of frustration since you're compounding that with the fact that you're going to be moving and the bad guys are going to be moving. So you're aiming where you think he's going to be, but then he gets up and moves towards you, and you add that to the zooming in effect, and you're completely off target. It can add to a lot of unnecessary deaths. Similarly, while you're trying to drive, there's also sort of a forced camera movement, which really upsets me. It's like when you turn the camera to the side or when you sort of move it up at a higher angle, the camera, after I guess about two or three seconds, will attempt to reset itself at a particular height and a particular angle behind your car. In some cars, I don't necessarily mind this default position. But in the bigger cars, or when I'm going a little bit faster, and I move the camera on purpose, it's like, you know, I really don't want the camera going back into a different position three seconds later, because, you know, you're constantly going to have to be adjusting for that, and that's really, really annoying. And it's very disruptive if you're trying to drive somewhere. I don't understand why they have that on there. Similarly, as I think I mentioned before, whenever you do one of your fancy effects, and you stop somebody who's pursuing you or they get in an accident, the camera will sort of force rotate to that direction. So let's say you're, as example, going around a corner and you hit a blockade thing to block somebody off behind you. If you do a really good job of it, it will spin the camera around and show you their car smashing into the blockade. While that's very cool and satisfying to see, what I don't think the developers quite fully realized is now you're looking at the bad guy instead of where you're going. So being in the middle of that turn, you now have no control over which direction your car is going because you can't see which direction your car is going. You're looking at the bad guy behind you. So pretty much, I would say at least 75% of the time, whenever one of these spectacular takedowns would happen, I would wind up crashing and failing that mission five seconds later because my car is going a completely different direction than I was expecting to go or I was in the middle of some dodgy turn that needed my attention and my attention just got force ripped away from me because the camera turned around so that's a really horribly bad idea I don't know why the developers put that in there again that's going to be a source of frustration for you throughout the entire game particularly in missions which are very difficult And you get this big cutscene at the start of them or some in-game rendered chat that you can't skip past. You're going to be watching that over and over and over every time it pulls your camera away and causes you, you know, to lose that mission attempt. After those initial 15 hours that I started of doing side quests and I started to get heavily into the campaign missions, it actually started to seem like the campaign missions were a lot easier than the side missions. I guess that makes sense, because it seems like they really kind of expect you to get at least halfway through the main campaign before you start doing a lot of side missions. However, this is really kind of counterintuitive to why the side missions exist. The side missions exist to sort of build up your reputation and get you ready for, in theory, the main campaign, where you're going to be doing all this stuff. Yet that seems completely counter to the fact that once you start doing the main campaign, you no longer really want to be distracted with all these little side missions. Like, as example, sort of a minor spoiler, the main storyline follows Aiden trying to rescue his sister from various bad things that are happening. And so once you get into that, and once you start getting on the trail of, you know, trying to help her and trying to rescue her from various bad things, you don't want to be distracted by the CTOS saying, hey, somebody over here might get mugged. You should go help them. You know, you're like, no, I- I'm going to go help my sister. Or, you know, this side mission of, hey, there's a gang hideout over here. Well, that gang hideout's been there for who knows how many years. Why do I have to do it right now? So it seems almost like there are two kind of completely separate games that have been put together. You've got the one game that's a bunch of side missions doing a bunch of seemingly very trivial things once you start doing them, and then you've got this overarching campaign, which seems like it's this really important big thing, and it's got a solid story, and it's all very relevant to Aiden specifically, so it seems like they're kind of fighting each other. One wants you to do, you know, that set of things, and then the other thing wants you to do that set of things, and they, they really don't seem to mesh well together. The campaign is a set of missions, and you do one, and you can immediately start the next one. You can take a break if you want, but the game sort of seems to discourage that by every time you finish a side mission, it will go through the the this-is-the-main-storyline intro thing. And while that's not necessarily a big deal if somebody calls you and says two lines, if it's something like a, you know, three- or four-minute conversation between the two characters, that's going to get really annoying really fast if you're doing it multiple times. So that seems really confusing to me. It seems more like it would have been logical to use the main campaign as sort of an introduction to the open world and then, you know, letting people go on to the open world after they finish the campaign or at least, you know, giving people the option to sort of turn off the open world stuff once they start the campaign. Because again, it seems like they're kind of fighting each other for your attention in a not very good way. One of the big things that kind of ties into this is the reputation system. The reputation system really doesn't seem to matter. I tend to play in a non-lethal style in games that let me do so, but after a while, it really seemed to not matter. And in fact, in several points along the campaign missions, it seemed like it was kind of forcing me down a more violent-slash-not-caring-about-killing-people style. As I talked about before in that convoy mission, it really kind of was impossible to get through with no civilian injuries or kills, because there's always civilians around. There was no way to take out the convoy without hurting civilians, because they don't give you any kind of non-lethal takedowns that are ranged. It's like your only non-lethal takedown is a melee attack. There's no, like, car EMP grenades that knock out their vehicles, and there's no... Ranged, stunning attack, you know, with, you know, some kind of special taser, bullet, gun. It's, it's not an option, so it really kind of forces you into a killing kind of direction. The one thing that really made me wonder why the reputation system even exists outside of maybe offering you some special missions is that there's one mission where you're going to save your nephew, and he's in a building and you have to get past all these guys to get you know to your nephew to rescue him and kind of a moderate spoiler so if you don't want to hear it fast forward like a minute at the end of that mission when you do meet up with Jax there's some monitors behind Aiden and they show all the bad guys on the ground and Jax looks really shocked and horrified at Aiden and Aiden says to himself what am I doing I just killed all these people they're all dead And when I saw that, I instantly restarted the mission. I'm like, nope, I normally take people down, you know, non-violently. Because we're rescuing Jax, I'm going to purposely, I'm going to absolutely take everybody down in a non-lethal fashion. So it took me like a dozen tries to do it, but I finally did it. There was only one guy I actually had to kill because he was a heavy guy and I didn't have the special talent unlocked to do non-lethal takedowns on the heavy guys. So... I had one kill and maybe, I don't know, 20 plus non-lethal takedowns. And yet at the end of the mission, Aiden said the exact same thing. It's like, no, I killed one guy. I didn't kill everybody. I killed a single guy. All the rest were knocked unconscious. Why are you registering like I killed everyone? So at that point, I really kind of just gave up on the reputation system and killing people. Because if you kill people in a mission and it doesn't matter... Why should I bother doing the more difficult style of playing through on stealth and non-lethal takedowns if I can just shoot them in the head at range and, you know, do a stealth kill and it it affects the game in the same way? If the game's not going to care, you know, why should I care? You know, if it's going to be just up to the player to make the choice and it's not going to have an impact on the game, why even have that system in there? Why not just leave it up to the player and leave it at that? I don't understand. So as sort of a closing thoughts, the first question you probably have on your mind is, does it fulfill all of the promises it's been making for the last couple of years? Yes and no. As I think I mentioned last time, the hacking just seems like a way to present his powers. They don't seem any more or less special or interesting than anything like Far Cry 3 or any of the Batman Arkham games. It just seems like, you know, here's Aiden, here's his powers, here's how they work. It doesn't really seem all that different or special than other games, which are, here are your powers, here's how they work. The weather system and how it affects the sea are extremely beautiful, if you can turn the settings up. I think they they still look pretty good on consoles, though consoles are not, you know, maximum effect levels, even with the newer consoles. It does look really beautiful. It does add a level of immersion. But does it affect gameplay? I don't think it affects it at all, really. Rain does not make the ground more slippery, to my knowledge. I've seen fog maybe once, and it slightly reduced your vision range. It wasn't a huge deal. There have been a few times where the sun is in my eyes, and I'm trying to drive and escape. And I really do appreciate that effect. You know, that's very cool. Makes it have a whole new level of challenge to it. But those are very small... Points in the game and when you do something like you have to do a mission six or seven times because you keep blowing it and the day continues to change in time it just doesn't seem to make any sense it's like this mission started in the daytime and then it died and blew it and restarted it and it's in the daytime and then it died and restarted it and now it's in the evening time and then it died and restarted it and now it's nighttime you know things like that are like wait why is time progressing? If I'm failing the mission and restarting, this doesn't make any sense. So very quickly, the weather system seems really cool, but it's just sort of an added immersion effect. The game does have this modern take on it, and it's taking place, you know, in the middle of a city. Whereas games like the Far Cry series, while they may be modern, are you know off in these sort of fantasy island kind of places and that's not quite modern, not quite old school. So if you're into sort of a modern city-based kind of game, you'll really like it. Other than that, it's just a location. It's not really a big deal. Missions do force you to drive quite a bit. A lot of the campaign missions especially will be go in and find a boss person and take him down. But oh, guess what surprise? When you get to the boss person, he jumps in a car and drives away. So there is a lot of forced driving Also, when you finish a campaign mission, it'll usually be pretty far away. Especially after you get out of Act 3, they start being like 1,500 clicks away, 2,000 clicks away. That's like a couple minutes by car. Suppose you could jump in the subway and do fast travel that way. But there's a lot more driving than I would prefer. And again, as I said before, there's a lot of stuff that sort of forces you into taking up a position of not caring and killing the bad guys when you're in a mission, and, you know, not caring about civilian casualties as well. I honestly would have preferred a more futuristic game if they were going to present it as such, something like a a cyberpunk kind of future, where the government's kind of fallen apart and, you know, corporations are kind of taking over. You know, in that kind of situation, I would absolutely not hesitate nearly as much as I do now to kill people and take them down. But if a game is going to offer me a non-lethal way to take people down, there should be some kind of game reward or game advantage for doing so. And that just doesn't exist in this game. In Watch Dogs, they're like, here, have all these really powerful, ridiculous guns that can mow lots of people down. So once you get these guns, you're really kind of heavily influenced towards doing that because it's so much faster and trying to stealth through, and if you stealth through, there's really no advantage in doing so. You just have the satisfaction of, oh, I didn't kill those people, I knocked them out. So I suppose that's totally up to the player, but it takes so much longer. It's really not worth doing it that way, unless you really have a compelling reason not to kill people in the game. Which, let's face it, if you're playing this kind of game, you probably are maybe on the fence at best. And like me, you'll probably be like, well, if the game doesn't care and it's going to keep forcing me to kill people, I'll just go ahead and start not caring and killing people. So the game seems very confused in that aspect of offering the option to and then not really rewarding or punishing, you know, either way for your actions. The characters seem mostly predictable and stereotypical of whatever it is they're trying to be, though They are mostly fairly well acted, so there is that. That is kind of nice. Though you don't see the characters actually all that much, particularly once you're not doing a main questline mission. But it seems like the most interesting characters really have the least amount of visibility. One of the characters that's supposed to be like a main companion character, I've seen maybe a half a dozen times. Like I said, I've played maybe 30 hours and of that. You know, that's 20 hours of campaign, so seeing and talking to somebody very briefly for half a dozen times over 20 hours is not seeing them very often. Again, I haven't finished the game, though I expect I'm probably very near the end. I'm in Act 5, and I've done several missions so far, so I don't think there's probably all that much more left. But if you are a hardcore fan of sort of third-person open-world games like this, I would probably rate this around a 4 out of 5 or 80%, because the visuals are really beautiful, even though they don't really affect anything other than immersion. And there is, you know, quite a lot to do in terms of side missions. But if you're like me, and you just kind of feel meh about this kind of genre, especially ones that require a lot of driving or a lot of travel, I'd say you probably just want to rent it and maybe just focus on, you know, the core campaign missions. And I would say for you, game probably won't feel much better than around maybe a 3.5 or 70% because it's really not all that special compared to the other games. Like I said, I really think this is sort of very solidly in the you must be a third person open world game kind of fan to really enjoy it. So hopefully my thoughts have helped you out on making a decision. So I saw The Edge of Tomorrow in IMAX 3D. It is rated PG-13. It is based on, I believe, a Japanese comic manga. So it is a story that's been around before. It's not, you know, a brand new movie that they just made up. I haven't read the original comic that it was based off of, but it seemed really good. The basic premise is in sort of a science fiction-y, slight future... It's a little bit ahead of where we are now. Not a whole lot. I would guess potentially maybe 50 to 100 years from now. There's sort of a alien invasion that's kind of taking over Europe. And the movie takes place sort of in a Normandy first wave kind of attack to sort of push back the ongoing front that's kind of taking over the last edges of Europe. Basically the main character who Tom Cruise plays has something funky happen to him, and he has this special ability that when he dies, the day sort of resets and begins again where it started from when he sort of wakes up that morning of the final assault. The special effects are really solid. I really like them. But a lot of it is just plain old dialogue between various characters. For some reason, there's quite a lot of handheld sort of shaky camish Shots in dialogue scenes, I don't know why. They could have very easily put the cameras on, you know, tripods or whatever to hold them still. I still do not understand why so many movies have slightly shaky cameras in dialogue scenes. It's like, why don't you guys put them on a stand? I don't understand. Are you just being fast and lazy and just using handhelds? I don't understand. Only about 20% of the movie, I would say, is Groundhog Day-like. Where it's showing the main character going through the day over and over and over again, the rest of it is all you know new slash different footage. So don't be worried that it's the same movie you know five times. It's it's not. They get past the Groundhog Day effect very quickly. There is a lot of good action and there's actually a little bit of romance, not a whole lot, but enough to sort of distract and and be a nice break from the constant action that the day, by its very nature, is. I would say if you like Tom Cruise and his science fiction-y kind of movies, I would say it's decent fun. I would say the 3D does add quite a bit to it. So if you can see in 3D, I would recommend you see it in 3D. I would recommend with popcorn because it is mostly action and fairly fun. And if you have friends that would be interested in going, probably take them to be pretty fun to share this kind of movie. If you aren't into Tom Cruise and you aren't into what I would sort of call fairly mainstream science fiction action movies, I would say you probably just want to go ahead and wait till undoubtedly just before the end of the year when the physical media will come out and just watch it as a rental. It's not amazing, but it is good fun. I saw Maleficent in IMAX 3D. I would absolutely recommend 3D for this one if you can see 3D. This is rated PG, not PG-13, which seems a little bit confusing, which I'll get to sort of later in the rambling. I would say it was super good if you're into fantasy kind of stuff, particularly fairy tale kind of fantasy, and especially if you liked the original sort of imagery and presentation of you know, that sort of art style and cinematic style that they used in the original Sleeping Beauty movie. A lot of the shots and sort of scenes are reproduced really well, but done, you know, with amazing new school flair. So if you appreciated the visuals before, you will absolutely love the visuals in this one. Late teens and adults will like it, but as I mentioned at the beginning, I think some aspects of the story will confuse younger viewers, there are some kind of mixed messages about love and relationships and betrayal and sort of Maleficent's journey, you know, between the various things and how her character changes. Because of that sort of back and forth nature on the different issues, I think it would be very confusing. So while I understand why they would rate it PG from a ratings aspect, it kind of really needs to be rated PG-13 from a content aspect because I really think you'd be doing sort of a disservice to the really young ones who just wouldn't understand a lot of why the character is doing what she's doing or why this is this because of what happened I think it might just confuse them there's not much else to say about it I did like all of the acting I did like the story the special effects were absolutely amazing it was a good retelling of Sort of a character we don't know a whole lot about. If you've seen the preview and the preview interests you, and you enjoy sort of the iconic shots of the original movie, I would say you'll probably enjoy Maleficent very much. And I would recommend you go see it in theaters, in 3D. I would say see it with popcorn. There is a lot of cool action fun to be had. With people is probably good, because there's some stuff to discuss about it, I think, you know, after the movie, obviously not during the movie. But I think it's one of those ones that would be nice to share with friends or, you know, a sweetie. And that's really all I have to say about it because I don't want to spoil anything. And a lot of it is really just visual, nicely shot from a (laughs) cinematic standpoint. I was tempted to say something like cinematographic, but that's not like a real word. So it looks very pretty. So if you're into that uh, appreciation, you will also enjoy that aspect of it as well. So news this time is pretty short. Wildstar has now launched. I think I mentioned that before, but I'm going to say it again for the last time. I don't know if I'll talk about it on the podcast, but How to Train Your Dragon 2 is due out on July 4th. And I've seen my first trailer proving that Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is coming on July 11th. However, it did say it was only in select large format theaters. So I don't know if that means it's going to get a limited release, which might explain why it hasn't gotten a lot of publicity. But that would seem kind of confusing to me, because I remember the first one did really well, so it seems odd that they would kind of hide a sequel movie with, you know, so many potential movies after it. But again, that's coming on July 11th. Possibly two limited theaters. So you may or may not have one local to you but you might want to keep your eyes out if you enjoyed the original. And that's it for the news. I bring you pain, the kind you can't suffer quietly. Fire up your brain, remind you inside your rioting society is slipping. Everything's slipping away. So I guess that's it for this week's Rabbit's Ramblings. No Paris Treasure. Happy Dad's Day to Amber Dads listening. That's really all I have this time. Again, I'm very sad I forgot to do one last time. Though, honestly, I really didn't have anything to say. All I had done was Maleficent, so I could have rambled about that last week, but that really would have been it. Everything else would have been stuff I've talked about. Wild Star, I, I really don't have any different opinions on from you know when I did the last pre-order beta weekend it's all pretty much the same stuff and nothing's really changed in terms of my opinion or anything so rewind to that if you want my sort of final launch review of that because it it would be the same thing as I said then so I guess that is it for this time and I'll see everybody hopefully next time and hopefully I won't forget okay thanks bye so invariably whenever you're trying to aim that zooming in will kind of mess you up a lot of times and so if you're trying for precision per per take people down you know non-violently because we're rescuing Jacks, I'm going to purposely absolutely take every bit uh, And it's taking place, you know, in the middle of a city, whereas games, you know, like the Far Cry City... Shut so, up. So. And I would recommend you go see it in theaters in 3D. I would say... Yeah, go, yeah. Shut up, will you? Shut up! Ah, oh, now we see the violence inherent in the system. Shut up! Oh... Come and see the inherent in the system! Help! Help! i being repressed! Bloody peasant. You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find the show website at www.rabbit.com slash podcast slash when you type rabbit's ramblings, don't use the space. If you would like to send me an email, you can do so at rabbit at rabbit dot com. If you like my page, you can also post on Facebook at rabbit dot com. You can follow me on YouTube at rabbit dot com. Be sure to put the number one in place of I anytime you type rabbit. Rabbits Rumblings is copyright 2014 and is released under a Creative Commons attribution share alike license.